Faith Church, I'm Claire Kingsley, and it's go time. We're releasing five podcasts prior to our 2021 Global Outreach Conference. The purpose of our Go Time podcast series is to meet the missionaries and hear what they're up to. They will also share a few ways you can be partnering with them in prayer. I strongly encourage you to take the time to pray for each missionary as the episode ends. We're purposefully rolling out these episodes before Go Time so you can catch up with them before you might see them at an event or hear from them during their seminar. Today's episode features our missionary, Mark Slaughter. He has been preaching the gospel for 44 years, been in vocational ministry for 37 years, and has spent 32 of those 37 partnered with InterVarsity and our Faith Missions family. One reason why we're rolling out his podcast first is because Mark shares a few timely prayer requests that pertain to this very week that the podcast is being published. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Mark Slaughter. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Hi, Claire. It's going well. It's a good day. <laughs> In a busy week for you, it sounds like. So we are so excited to have you on our podcast. Thank you for carving out time for us. And um, I'm eager and our, I'm sure our listeners are eager to hear about what is going on in Noblesville and around the world through your ministry. Um, so Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you doing? And um, introduce yourself. Sure. Well, thank you so much, Claire. And I'm so glad to be on this podcast and becoming and also becoming to go time mm-hmm. at Faith. We're, Dawn and I are really looking forward to that. Well, uh, I'm married to uh, my wife, Dawn, and we just celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. And we live in Noblesville, so we are not far away at all. Uh, we've been connected with Faith Church for over 35 years, really, all together. And uh, so we have two adult children, Matt and Becca, and Matt is married and uh, has four children, ages six and under, so we all know how to pray there. And uh, they did six, five, two and a half, and newborn. So <laughs> we're heading to see them uh, shortly. And uh, and so they live down in Nashville, Tennessee. And then our daughter, Becca, is now a registered nurse in the emergency department uh, out in Seattle and loves the outdoors and hiking. So we love to be parents uh, of the of the our, our adult children and then also grandparents uh, to our four grandkids. And we're enjoying this season of life together, uh, but we're based here. We live in Noblesville and my office is just a block off the square in downtown Noblesville. So Mark, um, how did God prompt you to pursue vocational ministry? How did well, it all begin? Yeah, it's, it's so amazing because uh, I was planning to be a, a teacher and a baseball coach like my father. And when I was in high school and I came to know Christ when I was 12 in a, in a personal way. And, but then in my high school years began to sense that, um, God might be calling me to vocational Christian ministry. Uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, God, uh, my youth pastor asked me if I could share my testimony at a citywide evangelistic uh, outreach that we were doing. And we had about seven or 800 high school and young adult people there in a, on an afternoon. This was part of the larger festival. And they asked me to share my testimony. And I was shy and had never spoken publicly much. And I was a good student, but I was pretty, I didn't have a lot of confidence and I was surprised they asked me. And so I just had a little three by five index card with some talking points on it. And when I got up there for about seven minutes, the words just flowed out like I'd never experienced before. And I I was so surprised on the way back to my seat, I felt the Lord's gentle prompting saying, this is what you're doing the rest of your life. And I wrestled with that for a year and finally surrendered and said, God, I think you're calling me to vocational Christian ministry. 
my two passions were preaching and evangelism, communicating and evangelism. So how do I do that? And so I headed off to Taylor University and ended up being a Bible major. And then my first, first month at Taylor, God opened the door for me to preach my first sermon uh, and uh, at a church up in Huntington, Indiana, the United Brethren Church there. And that morning, three people came to faith in Christ. And then all through my college years, God just kept opening doors for me to speak 20 or 25 times a year. And I kept feeling this sense of anointing. And God, slowly God clarified that I, I was called to communicate, to preach, and to evangelism. Though I really didn't understand whether that would be as, I didn't feel called as a pastor. So I didn't know exactly where that would land. But uh, over time, we began to to sense that. Dawn and I got married right after college. and uh, But during those college years, then um, we were invited to, right after the college years, I worked for Taylor University and directed their outreach ministries for a couple of years as their assistant campus pastor, and uh, then went to seminary and did my Master of Divinity and Evangelism at Trinity. But prior to that, we got invited to Billy Graham's uh, conference for traveling preaching evangelists called Amsterdam 83. And we were there with 4,000 evangelists from about 120 countries and my first international conference. And it was in that conference that Dawn and I were able to attend that God just confirmed to us that someday uh, we would be in full-time itinerant evangelistic ministry, preaching and speaking. And Dawn squeezed my hand there on the conference floor and said, honey, that's how you're wired and I'm with you. And we didn't know how or where that would be, but eventually that led us to, to then to seminary. And then after that, we came to Indianapolis and planted a church for Faith Church in Broad Ripple at that time. And, and that was a growing experience. But then God just kept stirring my heart that I want to be full-time as an evangelistic tr- uh, speaker and trainer. And, and uh, that eventually the Lord opened the door to serve with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And, that, and I've been here now 32 years. Okay. So you're partnered with InterVarsity. What do you do? What's your um, official role through InterVarsity? Well, when I first came on staff with InterVarsity, uh, Don Fields from Faith Church hired me to be an evangelism specialist. That was an, like an evangelist, evangelistic speaker and trainer for our 20 campuses that we had at that time in Indiana. And so, and he, they didn't have anyone like that in the country. And so this was groundbreaking for InterVarsity. And he asked me for a three-year commitment. Well, that, that happened, and then slowly that role as an evangelistic speaker and trainer and resource developer, um, that, that happened my three years there and beyond for Indiana. So I spent about a dozen years focused on Indiana and then on the Midwest regions, and then now I'm in a more national role. So uh, as that role has expanded, then I've been able to speak on campuses for you know over 30 years. Uh, but about 10 years ago, that, that really began to shift when I sensed God's um, – God's, God's prompting that I, that we, we had seen God work a lot at InterVarsity and in, in seeing record numbers of people coming to faith in a postmodern culture. And I, I sensed a heart for sharing that with the broader church. And so InterVarsity began to create other roles for me that would allow me to be really, in a sense, an ambassador for InterVarsity with like-minded partners around the country. So my title now is I'm a director of evangelistic partnerships out of the national office, out of the president's office. Um, with our external relations department. And that way I can, I can still fulfill my calling as an evangelistic communicator and leader and mentor. But to do that in partnering on behalf of InterVarsity with like-minded groups like Crew and Navigators and Young Life, uh, or with denominational leaders and pastors and church leaders and Christian colleges and other places, wherever we can partner together in engaging the emerging generations. So, um, so now my role in that role as a director of evangelistic partnerships 
really it's two words that we say is really, really our calling is communicate and to mentor. So how do we communicate the good news of Jesus winsomely in this generation and mentoring? How do we mentor and walk alongside emerging leaders that God's raising up to do the same? And within those two areas, then I end up partnering with a lot of uh, national and global ministries like Leighton Ford Ministries or Arrow Leadership or Billy, uh, Billy Graham Center, Leighton Ford, or uh, Luis Palau. We've been with Luis Palau and the Global Lausanne Movement, those kinds of ministries uh, that we're, in t we're working with all the time. But on behalf of InterVarsity, being able to be a communicator and a mentor of the next generation. I feel like um, you just gave us like a look at a thousand feet up. So can you zoom in and tell us what does that look like in a day? You know what? You use the right word, Claire, zoom in, because it seems like I spend a lot of time on Zoom anymore. It seems like for sure. But mm -hmm. the interesting thing is that I do not have a, a, a typical day. Uh, we, I can kind of divide it in half in some ways. There are the days when I'm traveling and there are a number of days a year, where, a month where I am on the road. And in person, especially now that COVID restrictions are lifting uh, quite a bit more, and I'm getting ready to really be on be traveling again a lot this month. But when I'm on the road, then I may be speaking at churches, speaking at conferences, um, at retreats. I still do some speaking on college campuses, uh, at outreach events. So ways that I can either be doing evangelistic speaking um, to a non-Christian audience that's an outreach event, uh, or where I'm, I'm speaking about the gospel and training and mobilizing and being a champion for the gospel in this generation. I just, we, one, of the, one of the features that we do in the communicating part is called question mark. It's ask mark. It's a, an open Q&A for about 75 minutes on your real questions about God. I just did one yesterday at a local business here in Indianapolis area that has a weekly Bible study for all their employees that's optional. And we, I just fielded their questions. I spoke a little bit from on, on, the, on uh, John 20 and Thomas and how Jesus responds to questions. And then I opened it up and, and we, it was a chance to give responses to the head and to the heart uh, of, for people that are exploring the Christian faith, that are angry at the Christian faith, or that are fully devoted followers of Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, we all have questions. And so I've done those on college campuses, but I may do them in other venues now as well, or speak at conferences. So there's that one half of my typical day is when I'm traveling and speaking uh, at, at conferences and events and, re and retreats. Then there's the, the days that I'm in the office. And sometimes I'm still communicating because of Zoom. And so I'm on a lot of Zoom calls where I'm either, um, I may be speaking at a conference digitally like that. I spoke for Luis Palau at his evangelist conference uh, that was in multiple countries, that was a global summit for evangelists. So we can do a lot from right here in our office in Noblesville. And, uh, but also I, I, I co-host two podcasts, uh, one with the global Lausanne movement on mentoring and, uh, and, and then also one with the national day of prayer here in the United States on prayer and spiritual awakening and evangelism. And in both of those, we record those and broadcast those right here from Noblesville. Um, other times I'm on Zoom calls where I may be doing mentoring uh, in person, but also on Zoom. With, I, I mentor a guy in Siberia and uh, people in other parts of the country and the world. So we, we will connect by Zoom and then connect in person when we can. Uh, but then also sometimes I'm leading and planning initiatives or I'm on planning initiatives and, um, for leadership development and mentoring. Mm -hmm. uh, for the Global Azan Committee. Uh, yesterday, yesterday morning, I began the day with a 7 a.m. Zoom call with 
someone in, who was on the call from Singapore and someone and the rest of us from North America and everybody in between from Africa and Europe and other places. So um, it's working with leaders, uh, but in person or digitally, and then commu in communicating and in mentoring. So every day is different. It's very, very, very unique. Um, how did you get here? How are you equipped to do this day in and day out ministry? That's the grace of God, and that's not a trite answer. Uh, I, I would never have written this script, you know. <laughs> this is not the film of my life I envisioned. But every stage of my life has led me to this moment. The early days of evangelistic preaching, I did week-long revival meetings, my heart for preaching and all that. I, I did a little work with the Billy Graham Association at one point uh, for one of their films, you know, worked with Luis Palau. All those things have kind of happened. But the biggest preparation in a lot of ways on vocationally has been uh, my InterVarsity has really shaped me in these, these 32 years with InterVarsity. Um, I've grown personally in my own spiritual life and my spiritual formation with the Lord. I've also grown in my understanding and thinking of the gospel. And uh, we've seen it lived out on college campuses and we've adapted as we move from a modern to a postmodern and post-truth generation and uh, changed from baby boomers to Gen X to millennials to Gen Z. Uh, staying fresh and current of what every five years or so. So we, we did that for, you know, for an, we've done it for 30 years with InterVarsity, but now my heart as a pastor, my heart for the local church, I've been very involved in our local churches wherever we've been, including faith. And so the church and the campus, emerging culture, all of that has come together. And it has been a sacred season, to be honest. It has been the most sacred season of my life, especially the last three to five years where I felt like, like Esther is like for such a time as this, that God has put me here at this moment to be a spokesperson for the gospel and to mentor emerging leaders. And I, I found myself as a bridge between denominations and ministries, between campus ministries and churches, uh, between generations where I, I have so many friends and I love and respect mentors that are 70, 80, 90, and even a hundred years old. Uh, and yet I hang out with younger leaders that are in their 30s and people sometimes are my own age. And, and so <laughs> I love all of those. And uh, so how to be a bridge for the gospel across the generations. And so now at this season, it seems like there's a sense of convergence. Uh, some have said, you are in your sweetest spot you've ever been. And these next 10 to 15 years, God willing, if I have good health, maybe 20, 25 years could be the most fruitful years of my entire life and calling because it's coming together as we try to hold on to the past, the historic Christian gospel, the truth that's there that's biblical, but also be connected to the real issues that are happening in the world. And so I, I do sense, a, 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 I've sensed a recalling, like God has really um, recalled me as an evangelist, not recalled like the, the automobile, you know, when it's, it's not working well, it's more like calling again. Like I felt yep. called in a fresh way for, uh, for communicating the gospel today and mentoring younger leaders. Mm -hmm. Well, I imagine that as much as that um, fills your bucket to be able to like live out your calling, I bet it's also exhausting. And um, it sounds like it keeps you wildly busy with the travel schedule and everything. So what do you do to recharge, to pull back a little bit? What are you and Don doing to enjoy your time together? Well, that's a very important question. In fact, that's part of our mentoring that we do. We talk about whole life mentoring. It's not just about your mission or your vocational life. It's about your physical life, your emotional inner life, 
your your relational life with your your family or friends, um, and and so uh, and, and you know it's important that we really touch the whole life, our connection with God, and uh, and so one of the things I think that often people don't realize is that I really guard my rhythms, and uh, you wouldn't know it this week maybe, but uh, there are seasons that go a little bit chaotic, but but about twenty years ago I entered into a journey of just realizing as a friend of mine said, the energy that sustained me through the first half of my adult ministry life is incapable of sustaining me for the second half. And that was a profound moment of wisdom when I realized I needed to have a rule of life, a rhythm of life that guarded my time to be, to have fun, to have recreation, to recharge, to do nothing, to be still and uh, and also to have time with God and, and silence and solitude. So I was I participated in some silence and solitude retreats and things of that nature that's helped to reset that. So I guard my weekends and my evenings. And I work hard when I'm working hard, but I really do guard that. So what do we do? Dawn and I really enjoy taking long walks. We, we have frequently done that with our dog, but we just had to put her down recently. And that's been very hard. But we um, we've take, like to take long rock walks. I've resumed running again. And uh, we, we like to bike together. We live not far from some of the trails here in Indianapolis and, and in Hamlet County. And so uh, we love to bike. Uh, and then music has played a key role for me. Um, you know, I think the arts help to open our hearts and our imagination in a whole new way. And I go into the piano or the keyboard, and, and, and especially if the house is empty and I'm by myself, or if I put my headphones on the keyboard and I just play, you know, worship songs popular songs that have been my favorites over the years. And uh, that's just life-giving to me. And then I love getting together with people socially for coffee or having people, you know, campfire in the backyard or do a little research on family history. Those are fun things, life-giving things. We hang out with our neighbors. We've just really enjoyed getting to know our neighbors on either on the sides of surrounding us. And But those rhythms are really critical for us. And Dawn and I cherish that. We really do and protect it. Uh, and it's important to get away from time to time, too, and recharge and get a new perspective. And we did that recently, and we, we are very grateful for those times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you, um, you've mentioned, Don, uh, as you've talked about your ministry, how are you guys um, on mission for the gospel together in your marriage, even if it looks different for um, the people that she's reaching? Well, it, one of the things I've really appreciated is that InterVarsity does uh, give us freedom. There are many different multiple uh, models of what, what couples look like that are married uh, in terms of working for InterVarsity. Sometimes it's the husband who's hired and the, spouse, the wife is working as a physician or something. And sometimes it's the, the wife that is hired by InterVarsity and the husband's working another career. And sometimes they both are hired. Sometimes one's hired and the other one volunteers. So we have lots of options there and freedom because we hire the individual and not the couple. And we don't want to impose, um, you know, we want, well, put it this way, we want to be able to give freedom to, the, to each person to live into their own calling, his and her callings. And so Dawn, first of all, has, has been so supportive of me from the beginning, from that time in, we got married in, in Amsterdam as well, when we, she just was with me. And we were committed that together we would be uh, having, uh, paying real attention to our family. That was our uh, key calling for both of us. And I would be careful how much I was gone, but Dawn would help to maintain normalcy. And we want a normal family life for our kids um, that was integrated ministry with it, but did not take them on the road with us everywhere. So uh, certainly her role as a parent and a grandparent, she's loving that. But her ministry passion has really been 
being a small group leader for women. And she has a group of women that have met together for around 13 years. And they've gone through some significant ups and downs of life together. She has this beautiful, unique way of providing safety, a safe place for people to be real about their questions and doubts about God and, and to find God in the middle of that and encourage each other in the way. And so that, that is her strongest ministry passion. Uh, she's also a creative person. She likes to write and, uh, and is a good writer, really good writer. And, and so she like that's a very important part for her. So that's kind of where her ministry passion is. But the other part of her ministry is she works in the workplace and she's had seasons where she did not work in the workplace, but now in this empty nest season and, last good number of years, she's worked uh, four days a week at an investment firm and is an investment advisor and manages people's portfolios and accounts. And, and that, uh, that she is very good at that. And she was a social work major, never studied business or anything, and yet has been equipped and, and finds real reward and delight in that as she's living out being light and salt in the workplace. She's the only strong believer in that whole firm. And so she is really putting into practice what I'm trying to mentor others to do is how do we all, as people that are sent by God into our world, how do we all live out a lifestyle that reflects the character of Jesus in how we do our work and what we do? And she does that in her workplace as well. With And it's like a family there because she's been around that group for over 20 years. And so they have gone through a lot together. And again, she has a tremendous presence with that, with that, um, with her ministry there at her work. Thank you for sharing. Um, and we look forward to seeing Dawn. She'll also be um, joining you at least on Sunday, right? During go time or on Saturday right. too. And, and some of the other times as well, you know, Saturday and Sunday, and we'll, we will be both be present. So Great. Mm-hmm. good. All right, Mark, can you share um, some stories and just tell us what God's been doing in your ministry that um, when we hear it, we would be prompted to praise God along with you. Well, I, I feel like what God's generally been doing is he's opened up broader doors than I've ever could have imagined on both communicating the good news of Jesus and on mentoring. And, and I like to say my personal mission statement in this, especially in this season of life, is communicating the gospel biblically and winsomely to this generation and mentoring emerging leaders to do the same. So in both of those fronts of communicating and mentoring, God's opening broader doors, uh, certainly to be able to communicate with, ho- I'm co-hosting two podcasts and one of those is with the Global Azan Movement. It's not on the public platforms, but it uh, it's an internal thing for uh, national and global leaders in mission and evangelism that are mentoring. And it's best practices on mentoring. We call it a conversation with a mentor. And we, we uh, interview guests from all over the world that are uh, leaders that are mentoring or being mentored and, how, and kind of sharing some best practices of that. That's been wonderful to be able to hear these people from all over the world share their insights. And, uh, and then the other piece of mentoring that I never would have dreamed of is serving with the National Day of Prayer and on Prayer and Awakening. And I co-host that where we interview key guests. And that's called uh, Love Beyond. How do we show and share the love of Jesus beyond our differences, beyond our divisions, beyond our denomination, or our driveways, or our cubicles? How do we share and show the love of Jesus? So those are, have been things God has opened up. And, and we also have opportunities to develop new digital resources as well. Uh, that I think we're just, and, and written ones. I feel like there's some writing and digital resources that God has laid on our hearts that we want to pursue going forward. So those are broader doors. On the mentoring front, I, I love the one-on-one mentoring that God's opened up. Um, and, and again, that may be a, a person like in Siberia that leads the InterVarsity type movement, IFES, in Russia, for all of Russia. And he's in his mid-30s. 
um, or it may be an evangelistic sp uh, speaker that's based in the U.S. There's a Korean-American gentleman that I um, am meeting with every month by Zoom, and he's in his 50s. He has his own international ministry as an evangelist and travels around the world, and he's been a seminary professor, but he wanted to meet with me as a, um, as a mentor and a friend on the journey. And uh, so this recently, about a couple months ago when we met, um, he said, I want to talk to you about how you prepare your messages. And I thought, you know, that may just come into be, become some uh, kind of routine or whatever uh, time about just skill development of how do you prepare a message. And, and I like to really go to the deeper soul and the, uh, not just about the mechanics or something. So we talked a little bit about how we prepare the messages. But as that, as that emerged in our conversation, then um, he it began to, I began to hear, and I really want to listen with him, but I heard, heard how he was really over-preparing in a lot of ways. He, he was, had a lot of fear of failure. He was a, a perfectionism, some of those things going on. And, and so there was a moment in the conversation where I said to him, I said, do you, th I'm just curious as we zoom out for a minute, uh, you know, is it possible that perfectionism may be coming to play in your desire to over-prepare and, and that, and I, I had shared my own struggles with, with fear of failure or fear of not being good enough or inadequacy and how that can lead me to over-prepare. And when I asked him that question, he had this great pause and he just said, oh my, I think I need to listen to that. He actually said, I think I must take heed. And then he went on, he said, I never would have seen that, that how much perfectionism and fear was really ruling my preparation for messages. And then he paused and, and he got so excited and he said, Mark, this is the power of mentoring. And he's like, that's why I meet with you. you know. And it's not me, but I'm together we are working, listening to God as we listen to each other. And it's a sacred space. That's the kind of character development we, we want to have so that leaders can abide in Jesus, John 15, and abound in fruit. Mm -hmm. Abide and abound. And that's, uh, that's just been wonderful to see God do that um, in terms of some individuals in that way. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, Mark, you talk, you've said many times, um, you've said something about communicating the gospel to this generation. How are you going about communicating the gospel differently to this generation than you may have 10 or 20 or 30 years ago? Well, that is such an important question right now. And I, I, um, I, I do feel like over my lifetime that I've wanted to hold on to the core truth of the gospel but every five years or so, we had to adapt as the needs and the and even how people process truth changed. And so when I first joined InterVarsity and I was speaking on campuses, people had a biblical reference and many of them went to church, had grown up in the church. And so there was biblical understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, I could refer to Moses and they knew the story of Moses. And now they might think that's an NBA player, you know. And so there was no grid for them to understand that today. So the with less biblical literacy and understanding, I also assume that there's mistrust and hurt and sometimes hostility toward Christians and the Christian faith. And there's a huge credibility gap there between where people are today and how they view the church or Christians. And that in the past, the Christian church had more respect and was more central in society. So I can't begin at the same place. And the first thing I have to do in this postmodern, post-truth kind of era is rebuild a lot of that trust. So by being vulnerable, by being holistic, owning my own questions and doubts and failures, whether I'm talking to someone one-on-one -on -one or publicly in a setting, in a, in a group outreach, uh, I have to, I have to be, they want to know, can they trust me? Yeah. Uh, and they want to know that every listener here, all your friends and neighbors are asking the same thing. People, your coworkers, 
Can you trust, can they trust you? Are you safe? And only if they feel safe, then can they, and feel loved, then can they learn. And even neurologically, that's, there's some studies about that. So I think um, that's the first thing is that I tell, I tell stories of my own life and my, and other people's lives that are vulnerable and I begin where they are. And then I take them to the stories of Jesus and how, and I want to unpack how some of the, the things, the assumptions that we believed or the lies that we believed are not providing what we really long for. And I go after those deeper soul creational needs that God put in every single human being to love and be loved, to be in community, for your life to matter, for it to, for you to have meaning and significance. And that's true across every culture and continent of the world. And to help them see only in Jesus, only in the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, do are our deepest needs met. And that's to be ultimately connected with God in, in a relationship and to give him glory and to live that out in making, bringing hope and healing to our world. So I, the bottom line is how I communicate. I, I ask a lot more questions and I tell a lot more stories about Jesus and about life. And, but I hold on to the core truth at the begin at the center. Yeah, thank you. And that is helpful to us and to listeners as we think about how are we communicating the gospel effectively. And just because we maybe are not um, paid full time to be an evangelist does not mean that we're exempt from evangelizing. And so we, you know, it's a part of our mission statement to do this in a winsome way, being winsome ambassadors. And so having your insight into that is really helpful to um, informing how we go about it as well. Um, all right, let's shift um, our podcast to talk about your support, your support needs, your team. Um, and someone joining your team could offer support to you and Don in a variety of ways. And um, let's talk about uh, financial support and let's talk about some prayer support. Um, why don't you begin with your financial support needs? Where are you guys at in your month to month, meeting your month to month financial needs? And um, how do, um, how can we encourage people to come alongside you guys to support what you're doing? Well, first, I want to say thank you to everyone at Faith who has prayed for us and supported us financially, because you've been just incredible partners, truly partners for 32 years with our ministry. And we feel very supported and sent out by, by Faith Church people. So we are very grateful. Um, about about two, two years ago, uh, I was, as God was opening much broader doors, we're serving the broader church, the dealing with church leaders, getting involved in leading retreats with Leighton Ford Ministries that we're getting ready to do here next week, um, you know, so many things. I realized I needed more help administratively. And so uh, we took a huge step of faith financially and in our ministry. And I hired Allison Druckmiller as my executive assistant, and she's full-time, and she works with me here, and, and she is just priceless. She's, she's so gifted and prepared. She said, I do not, I'm not an evangelist, but I feel called to support those that are. And she and her husband, Joe, served with Campus Crusade crew um, for 20 years, and eight of those with Dr. Mrs. Bright uh, in the president's office. And so they have, they have worked on the operations teams, and she has vast experience of leading major, big and small events. I mean, five or 10,000 people or 50. But uh, so she ha has really been priceless to me. But because of Allison, we took a much bigger risk financially. And without her, I could not do what I'm doing. In fact, I would have to eliminate about 50% of the work that I am doing currently, um, if I did not have Allison, it, that is not an overstatement. 
And in order to fulfill this, it takes a team and it's more than what one person can do. And so, and she has gifts that I don't. So because of that, I'm also responsible for raising part of the support that to, to allow her to be able to, to uh, be uh, with us. And she is raising some support herself, but that's increased our needs. But God has provided through some major one-time gifts and some new monthly partners. So currently, uh, it's really important that we build a broader base to be able to continue to move into these opportunities that God has for us and for me not to have to reduce these areas and to really work with her. So our goal right now is we would first on a monthly part, we need to raise about $1,500 in new monthly support with new partners or increased partners to be able to have a broader base to go forward uh, and, and to be able to live into this vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also need, we still, we are going to always be needing uh, some one-time gifts or larger uh, sporadic gifts from time to time. And some people give $500 or a thousand or $5,000 or $10,000. They may give that uh, in a one-time gift. And we, we have been dependent upon those in order to balance in each of these years. And by God's grace, we have. So some may give a, a special gift once or twice a year like that, but others, uh, the monthly support is really important to have that base broader. So that's, that's really what our biggest need is right now. And without, uh, because I really don't want to lose Allison. We need her desperately and uh, for the future. Yeah. Because you said if you lost her, you would probably cut your ministry impact and what you can do in half, right? Easily. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, we have, we have our hands in a number of pies, but I'm not carrying all the pies. I'm not baking all the pies. So I get to speak into and lead and focus on what I'm strong at, which is speaking, communicating, recording, mentoring, but I don't have to deal with the admin side of things. She does my PowerPoint slides. She does research for me. I mean, there are a number of ways where she's a real partner and without her, I could not do what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how could we be supporting you and partnering with you in prayer? Well, the, the um, first personally, I think, is praying for wisdom that uh, we, for uh, what to say yes and no to, and just capacity. And we're always, we have more opportunities, obviously, than we could ever do, but just to, to know, to be wise in what to say yes to and what's most strategic and only say yes to the things that God is saying yes to and not do them for any other reason. Uh, kind of coupled with that personally would be just to, that we stay fresh uh, in our own rhythms and body, mind, and soul. And for Dawn and me, as we we are at this life stage now where you know, three of our four parents have passed, but so I'm I have, I'm involved with my mother and and in terms of on the phone a lot and somebody's helping out at her house and then Dawn is settling her the property and so on with her dad and that's a heavy load with us right now. So there that's on the personal front and as we're grandparents and parents on the ministry front, I think these are the um, the things I would pray for. First, uh, next week <clears throat> I will be leading a. Um, retreat for Leighton Ford, uh, who was who was with Billy Graham 35 years and is Billy's brother-in-law and married Billy's sister. And Leighton has been a mentor to me for 30 years and has, is a dear friend. I'm on his board. I've taught with him on mentoring. And they've asked me to lead this initiative uh, of a Lilly grant that we received to help launch mentoring groups for pastors. And so really, I'm, I'm running point and trying to continue what Leighton has done in the past. He's turning 90 this year. And so I'm running point uh, with a team to be able to take the training Leighton and I and others have taught and to be able to now teach um, pastors and leaders how to launch these mentoring groups, the Leighton Ford model all around the country. And so we will have about 14 participants, but they're from 11 denominations. And every one of these will be forming a group of pastors around the country that are younger pastors, especially uh, and and that these would be places where these pastors would thrive. So pray for our not only the retreat next week 
and for our team, because it's the first time we've led this kind of a retreat and where Leighton is not the main uh, speaker and, and is not actively teaching. He'll, he may pop in some, but he's not the main one. This is meant to outlive his active leadership and for the next five years. So pray for the retreat, but also for me as I then uh, will we'll be um, coaching these leaders over the next year and we'll have Zoom calls and so on to, to help them in launching these groups. And then we will do that similar kind of retreat every year for five years so that we might see 400 uh, to 500 pastors get into groups, maybe into 50 groups over the next five years. And I'm leading that initiative for the Leighton Ford team. So pray for that, not only next week, but beyond. Then secondly, um, one of the leaders of that retreat and I are launching a brand new mentoring group for evangelistic communicators that are from about 35 years old to, to my age. And we're in the process of launching that and very excited about their some of them have digital platforms and others are evangelistic uh, in person. Uh, so pray for that as it happens. It's diverse um, in, in ethnicity and denomination. Uh, and then thirdly, pray for our um, digital opportunities. And, and uh, that's the, uh, the podcast that I host, but also new ones we want to develop. And, and then I guess maybe the fourth ministry thing would be pray for wisdom as I mentor. I, 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 it's not about imparting knowledge to someone. It's about listening to someone deeply and as we together listen to God and helping us hear God's presence. So those would be the most critical things to pray yeah. for. And as we've had like a few of our conversations, you know, in preparation for the podcast, um, uh, I think a prayer request that I've heard woven, one of your prayer requests was I've heard woven throughout um, your time sharing is just your prayer and your desire to steward all of this. Well, you keep saying, I just want to steward this. Well, like this is, you know, this is not your ministry. It's God doing this through you opening these doors. And so um, I'll add that prayer request on too. That's a way people can be praying for you as well. Good. Yeah. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I never would have envisioned this. I just want to steward it and finish well and, and uh, God's given us a lot of open doors and a lot of favor with a lot of national ministries and global ministries, and we want to steward that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I encourage our people uh, listening to, before they, you know, uh, go to that next podcast or um, listen to music, or even if they've finished their drive home and they are ready to head inside, I just really um, would encourage you to uh, pause and just pray for Mark and Don and their ministry. And um, even if you're listening to the podcast months after go time, it still applies. You can still be praying for them in this way. Um, so Mark, if someone is new to joining your team, they've met you through go time or through, you know, being first introduced to you through this podcast and they'd like to join your team. What's one thing that you would want them to know about your ministry? Claire, I think the, the most central thing is that we are living in an overwhelming moment, a cultural moment in our country and our world, and it's very easy to get, get discouraged. And our, but our country and our world needs new voices, uh, voices that will address the real issues in our lives and our world and that can connect that and, and really communicate Jesus winsomely and publicly and privately in, those, in this cultural moment. And so if you joined our team, you will be part of communicating the gospel of hope and healing in our broken world through Jesus, winsomely and thoughtfully and compassionately. And, uh, and then through us seeing leaders that are being mentored in the United States and on continents globally to do the same thing. And that's an exciting thing. Yeah. So what do you wanna leave our listeners with? You know, one the word, yeah. one word I wanna leave listeners with is hope. 
I think a lot of people are hopeless. They're tired, exhausted, and discouraged. And the, and the world has changed significantly, especially in recent years, rapid pace. But yet in the midst of that, when I meet with these young leaders, when I get opportunities to speak, I am deeply, deeply moved that God is still at work in this generation through InterVarsity on the college campuses, through these leaders we are mentoring uh, and, and other people are mentoring. I see lead, new leaders being raised up that are humble and passionate and biblically centered and have good character and are really devoted to Jesus. And I, I just want to say there is hope. Only I believe more than ever that the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the Christian faith is uniquely addresses the deepest realities of our broken lives in our world. And this radical message of God's love literally is changing hearts and lives and communities and young adults. And I'm knowing, I'm meeting them, I'm, I'm hearing them. And there is hope that God is deeply at work in this generation. That's what I'd want people to leave with. Awesome. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for leaving us with that message of hope and that encouragement. And um, we'll be praying for you, Mark. We're excited to see you at Go Time this year. And um, we look forward to hearing your keynote message. Thank you, Claire. We look forward to being with you. Thanks so much for listening to this special Go Time podcast. Our global outreach conference kicks off in service on September 19th. For a full schedule of the week-long conference, visit faithchurchindy.com slash go time. You'll also find other ways to get connected and support our missionaries. Let me leave you with our verse for this year's conference, John 4:36. The harvester isn't waiting. He's taking his pay, gathering in this grain that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester, triumphant.